Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Uh, Today, we, we are in part two of our series entitled Be Rich. And once again, I have to let you know, this is not originally something I wrote. It's not a message I've prepared. It was greatly inspired by a great pastor, uh, pastor one of the largest churches in this area, uh, uh, Pastor Andy Stanley uh, of North Point Church and Buckhead Church. So he's an amazing guy. He wrote a book entitled Be Rich, and he complete, and he created a series. And it's so good. Sometimes stuff is so good, it just it just bears repeating, right? So you just ask permission, hey, can I use that? And then I got to put the Pastor B spin on it. And so with full permission, I've been able to share this with you all today. And so we're going to continue this series today. And and we're talking about not just money, but about generosity. And if you've been with us long enough in our five years of existence, every year around this time, this is something I like to kind of pause, push the brakes on and really have conversation about. Because here's what happens. Black Friday has already started. If you've been paying attention, they're already asking you for your money. And some of y'all are already committing yourselves to Black Friday stuff. But on the flip side of that, not just money, there are organizations that are saying, we need volunteers. We need your time. So when I talk about generosity, I'm not just speaking about it from the, the form of money or the space of money. I'm speaking about it from the first all of that, your time, your, your, your talent, and your finances. But I am focusing on your finances. Let's just be real. And so I knew y'all was going to get quiet during this point. That's okay. That's okay. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We're going to make you comfortable. Last week, we talked about thinking. We've got to get our minds right. We've got to get our thinking right. We've got to, to understand what God says about money and about generosity. We've got to get our thinking right. And, and so I, I surprised a lot of you all. Last week, I saw eyes go like this. You know, the eyes are big and they were big because I was talking to a bunch of rich people. We had a church. Y'all won't believe it. If you weren't here last week, you missed it. We had an entire church filled with rich people, the entire church, nothing but rich people. And so today I want to talk to rich people and people that love the church. Now, if you don't fall in one of those categories, it's okay. Just go ahead and grab yourself a beverage, sit down. And I promise at some point. I'll I'll entertain you or make you feel like you've been to church. But let me clear something up so you know if you fall in one of those categories. When I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about Big C, the church, the the body of Christ. And I believe if you're in this place, you kind of at least have some sort of affection toward the body of Christ or else you wouldn't be here. And when I talk about rich people, I know some of y'all are like, no, that's not me. You don't even know my bills. Well, according to a recent poll that was done, I'll... October 18th, 2017, if you make, y'all ready? Y'all ready for this number? Y'all, 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 I'm about to blow your mind. If you make a whopping 
$400 combined household income, you, my friend, are rich. Oh, man, y'all got quiet. Hello, lights. <laughs> if you make a whopping $32,400 combined household income, I've got news for you. You are among the 1% of the world's highest wage earners. So when I put it in the global perspective, you understand what I'm talking about when I say I'm talking to rich people. If you live in America, you are rich. Watch this. 5% of the poorest people in America are richer than most of the people in the world. 5%. 5% of the poorest people in America are richer. Now, they may not have money. You may see them sleeping on the streets, but they determine this by access to. We have shelters. We have uh, nonprofits that you can go to and fill out some paperwork, and they take your information, and they give you boxes of food. Uh, we're taking up coats. Many places don't have that. So if you make $32,400 combined household income, you're rich. Look at your neighbor and say, hello, rich person. You are rich. You are rich. And so we're, we're talking about that today. I want to, uh, our, our scripture for this entire series, the foundation of this entire series comes from uh, the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. And I'm going to be reading today from the uh, New International Version, but I believe we'll have the uh, version on the screen as well. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He says, command them to do good. Put your finger on the pause button because I don't want you all to miss over that one C word. The next sentence in this particular verse that sentence, it's a big C, it says, command. He didn't say, hey, Timothy, suggest to them. He didn't say, Timothy, give them a check the box option. He says, command. And when he says command, he's saying a commandment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let us pray. God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pure and acceptable unto you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, let the words that I share bypass the ears of the listeners and rest upon their hearts so transformation can occur. Let us leave this place today saying we had a good time. Not because the worship was so outstanding, not because the preacher preached so good, but because we had a radical encounter with you today. Oh, God, we promise in the end to give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen, 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 and amen. So when he says here in this particular scripture, he says uh, generous and willing to share. The Greek word for generous and willing to share, I'm not going to share. I can't say it. It's too big and too crazy of a word, but I will tell you what it means. The Greek word to to describe this word generous and willing, it says giving with an open hand, 
ready to impart, eager to do what is necessary. That's what the Greek word defined here means for willing and generous, generous and willing. Giving with an open hand. In other words, you give and you ain't looking back at it. You're giving not expecting something in return. You're giving freely and willingly and eager to impart and to others. So he's saying, in essence, Timothy, tell the church that you pastor and the people that are listening to give with an open hand, with eagerness and excitement and not expecting something in return. You do know that when you give something and expect something in return, that's not generosity. That's called investing. Only when we invest do we expect a return or our investment. But when we give from our heart, that, when we give out of generosity, it comes from the heart, which is what we're talking about today. I've titled this particular message, The Heart of the Matter. Generosity is all about a heart thing. It's not about a law thing. It's not about doing uh, 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 out of, of pressure. Uh, it's, it's doing out of inspiration. Generosity is a heart thing. And, and as I said before, today in this room, my conversation, this message is just for rich people and people that love the church. And I think we've kind of covered the fact that everybody in here falls into one, if not both, of these categories. Let's talk about the church. I want to share with you a story about a man by the name of King David and what he did for the church. If you can, meet me over in the book of First Chronicles, chapter 29, verses 3 through 5. First Chronicles, chapter 29, verses 3 through 5. Chronicles, First Chronicles 29, 3 through 5. And I'm going to switch back to the New Living Translation. We find these words. And now because of my devotion to the temple of God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I have already collected for his holy temple. I am donating more than one Hundred ton, 112 tons of gold from Ophir and 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the buildings and for the for the other gold and silver work done by the craftsmen. Now, then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? I could say amen and we could just pass a bucket, but we don't do that here. Let me explain to you what has happened here. Historians and great archaeologists have discovered that in the history of generosity, this is the largest giving ever to take place. This is the largest offering ever offered. As a matter of fact, let me make it plain to you so you can know exactly how much they gave to the church for the church. It was twenty one billion dollars. Man, it's quiet. Twenty one billion dollars, not for a new stadium. $21 billion, not for a new mall. $21 billion, not for new development. $21 billion to the temple, the place where God is. Why? Not to say they have a big, beautiful edifice of a building, but to build up people. $21 billion to build the church. Do you realize that's a lot of money? That's, let me have it, let me fix that. $21 billion then. 
not for his sake, but for the sake of the kingdom of God. You do realize that Jesus never came to build up a bunch of churches. When he met the disciples, he says, come, follow me. Let me make you fishers of men. And when he said that, he was saying, come, follow me. Let me teach you how to build up people. Let me show you how to attract people, bring people, connect people, and build them up. We have churches not so that we can come together and fellowship and just commune. We have churches, these building, these edifices to be epicenters of learning, to be epicenters of growth and development, to be epicenters where people are built up. That's what the buildings are for. Not to just uh, come together on Sunday only, but to do life together. Let me let me show you what happened after David. He started this. He started this. So after David started the thing, guess, guess what happened next? First Chronicles 29, 6 through 9 says this. Then the family leaders and the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and the captains of the army and the king's administrative officers all gave. How did they give? Willingly. They all gave willingly. David didn't say, hey, y'all better give or or you fired. They gave willingly because they saw him give willingly for the construction of the temple of God. Now watch what they gave. They gave about 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and 3,750 tons of iron. My goodness, that's a lot. They also, they didn't stop there. They also contributed numerous precious stones, which were deposited into the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of Jehiel, a descendant of Gershon. The people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to King David. Aha, who's paying attention? They didn't give to King David. They gave freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And it says this, and King David was filled with joy. Not because they gave unto him, but because they gave unto his Lord. Not because he was reaping the benefits of it, but he knew his God would be pleased with it. He knew what God had done for him. He knew that that, that God had saved him when he was uh, just a shepherd boy killing lions out there with just a slingshot. He knew that that God had been with him when he stood before uh, Goliath without the proper iron uh, armor and defeated him. He knew the God who saved him from King Saul who was chasing him, trying to kill him. He knew about this God and to, to return the favor, to reciprocate the same kind of love to God, he decided, you know what? The best I could do is give all that I have to honor him. Because the truth be told, none of us can reciprocate the kind of love God gave us. None of us can reciprocate that. We can sacrifice our kids because that's what God did. But it would not be the same as what God did for us. See, sacrificing my kid will not atone for your sins. But God sacrificing his only begotten son atones for our sins. Big difference. So how do we reciprocate that as in as many ways as we possibly can by what he's given us? And David gives a great example. How? By giving so that the temple could be built a place where watch this. We could worship God and build others up. Are you all with me this morning? Here's what happened. And after all of that, first Chronicles twenty nine seventeen, and I'm going to preach in just a minute. Just stick with me. I promise. 
First Chronicles 29, 17. He says, I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all of this with good motives, and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. Why would he need to remind God of that? Why? You got to remember, because this is like a time where, 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 listen, when God wasn't happy, he just started over. Now, y'all ain't acting right? Start all over. Oh, y'all ain't acting right? Just stay here for about 40 years till y'all get right. Y'all just ain't making no sense. David reminds God, they, they did this without me pressuring them. They did this because they wanted to. They did this because they love you. So remember them. Remember them, oh God, when they call upon you. Remember them. They did this because of their love for you, not out of pressure or anything. The thing is, too many of us love stuff that, that doesn't love us back. They did this because they love God. They did this because they love what God did for their people, for their ancestors, for others. King David did this because he knows what God did for him. Because he loved God. But here's the thing. Too many of us love stuff that doesn't give us the same kind of uh, satisfaction that God can give us. We love what money can do for us. We love uh, the lifestyle that money provides for us. I got something I want to share with you. Please take this. You could tweet this if you want. Never love anything that can't love you back. Money can't love you back. It can make you feel good. It can give you a false sense of security. But money can't love you back. Your job can't love you back. Oh, they love the work you do. Oh, they may send you flowers and and appreciate you. They may give you a promotion. But the minute you are no longer needed, bye-bye. Your job can't love you back. Certain relationships that you're in right now are not loving you back. You need to cut them. Never love anything that can't love you back. That house, I know you love it, but you're stressed out because you got it. Because it can't love you back. Never love anything that can love you back. You know who you need to love and trust? God, who loves you unconditionally. While we were yet sinners, he loved us. He loves us so much that his thoughts of us outnumber the grains of sand. He loves us so much that he gave his only son so that whomsoever believes in him shall have life and have it to the full and will not perish. He loves us so much that while we were yet in our mother's womb, he meticulously drew out who we would be, created our DNA, made plans for our lives to give us a hope and a future, not for disaster. He numbered every follicle of hair on your head if you have any left. <laughs> hey, slow this morning. That was a joke. I wrote it in there. They was going to laugh at that because I knew. Wrong crowd. First Timothy 6 and 10 says this. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Do you get what he's saying? He's saying because we love, watch this, not love money, but we love in essence what money does for us, that we've made some decisions that has caused us sorrow. That's what he's saying in essence. We bought something we shouldn't have bought and now we're like, daggone it, man, this thing is terrible. We spent our money on somebody that we shouldn't have spent it on and they're gone. We bought clothes that we can no longer fit, and we got clothes in our closet with tags on it when there are people right here in the city of Atlanta homeless, digging through garbage cans, trying to find the best portions of our waste. 
Something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. Luke 12, 34 says this. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. There the desires of your heart will also be. What do you treasure most? What, you know, what you treasure most? What are the things that are most important? That's where your heart beats. That's where your pulse is at. That's where your pulse is connected to. I hear people tie all the time. You know what, Pastor? I want. I would give. I know y'all are just doing this ninety-day tithe challenge. I, I would give, but you know, I'm on a fixed income. And I had to tell that person, says, "Look, we're all on a fixed income. Because if we weren't, I would unfix my current income and fix it to what I want it to be." <laughs> y'all press rewinding that in your mind. We're all on a fixed income. God didn't say, hey, when you got when you're doing better financially. Let me tell you a woman that was a I just I just paraphrase a woman in the Bible that was that was on a fixed income for real. She was a widow. Meaning that her financial support came from her husband who was now dead. Okay, her husband's gone. She goes to the offering. Jesus is sitting. This is funny. Get this picture in your mind. Jesus is in the temple sitting in front of the offering table with his arms folded watching and see who's giving. That's some funny stuff to me. And you see all these rich people coming in, you know, strutting in, dropping, bam, dropping like it's hot money. Bam, dropping big money. Bam, dropping and Jesus watching. All of a sudden he sees this little old widow come through. And no longer is it silent money dropped. She hears two coins, clink, clink, valued at less than a cent in today's economy. And Jesus says that woman gave more than everybody else here who came and had it to give. She didn't have it to give, but she came to this temple, gave her last two. Y'all don't understand how poor she was. Her whole entire income was based on her husband living. Bible doesn't say if she had sons that could carry it on for her. She was poor, but she took her two mites, dropped it in there, and Jesus says she is blessed. A fixed woman on a fixed income gave her very last. Why? Because she knew what God could do for her. Don't let being on a fixed income prevent you from God blessing you. By being obedient to his call or his command to give. Here's what God wants if you're taking notes. God wants. Here's what God wants. What God wants is, number one, God wants us to give willfully. God wants us to give willfully. Second Corinthians 8, 1 through 8 says this. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. These are people who love their church. Y'all got to catch this. This is so good. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. They're going through some trouble and they're poor. Watch what happens next. For I can testify that they not only gave that they that I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free, there's that word again, will, open-handedly. They actually begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for, uh, than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord, that was the first action, and to us, just as God wanted them to do. That's amazing. I'm sitting here like, man, I would love to see somebody beg. Hey, hey, pastor, please let me give. Let me give today. Let me give. Let me give, give, give. Let me give him my time. Can I be the first one? Listen, be at the door before you can get to the door. I want to volunteer today and I want to give. 
Doesn't happen here like that. Happens in churches in places that you wouldn't believe. Happens on the continent of Africa and Asia. Doesn't happen in privileged places like America as often. We've missed it. It's so amazing because they're sending missionaries over here to teach us how to be Christians. Because of giving. And I get it. You know why people don't give? I want to start there. People don't give because there's a trust issue. And a trust issue means there's a heart issue. And I think sometimes we just need to have a little bit of open heart surgery and understand the reason why we really give to the church and why we should be giving to the church is not just to pay Georgia Power and, and all the other people, but it's really to, 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 to build people. We give so that we can build people. Watch this. Do you all know? Maybe you don't know, but I'm going to tell you today, so now you will know. Watch this. That Jesus, with his 12 disciples, Jesus being God incarnate, watch this, they took up an offering. You mean to tell me God was taking up an offering? This is God. He don't need an offering. But he wanted to show you the necessity of having it. Because here's what I know. Maybe you missed this. Salvation is absolutely free. But ministry costs. To do the work of ministry, there is a price to pay. We have to give something. Ministry is not free. Salvation is. Even Jesus, God incarnate, back here on earth, among his 12 disciples, took up an offering. You may be wondering, well, how do I know that? Well, just read the Bible. There was a guy among the disciples, a guy by the name of uh, Judas, who was stealing from the offering. It's a shame that's the only way we find out that they took an offering because somebody was stealing from it. But, hey, I'll take it because that tells me that they were taking up an offering. That it was important that they gave to the mission that they were doing. It was important that, that they had the necessities to do what they wanted to do. Why were these people so eager to give to the offering? Why were they so eager to participate in this? Because they had already seen the risen Christ. They'd already experienced his hope. They'd already experienced his blessing. And guess what? They wanted to make sure that their kids experienced it too. They wanted to make sure that their, 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 their neighbors experienced it too. They wanted to make sure that generations upon generations could experience the risen Christ. So I want to give to that. You know, the early church did the same thing. The early church did that. They had this thing that was kind of like what we call no strings attached generosity. In other words, they gave not expecting anything back. They gave no strings attached generosity was the hallmark of the first century church. No strings attached generosity means it wasn't coerced, but inspired. They gave not expecting anything back in return without even asking or being pumped up. Nobody begged them to give. They just, man, this is too good. This is too rich. We got to give so this thing can keep on going. They gave because they uh, were changed and they loved what the change provided for their future. This is why they gave. They were changed and they loved what the change provided for their future. A hope and a promise of good things to come. This is why they gave. Here's the second thing really quick. The second thing I want to share. God wants us to give cheerfully. God wants us to give cheerfully. Watch this. Second Corinthians nine, six through seven says this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, the Greek word here uh, to describe this word cheerfully, we get it. Uh, we, we're familiar with in the English language. Hilarious. Hilarious. Really. The Greek word here is where we get the, the, the English word hilarious. So when he says, 
God loves a person who gives cheerfully. He's saying God loves a person who gives hilariously. That may not make sense to you. Cue the video. Put your hands together for Brother Franklin. Hilarious. I'm not saying God expects us to all come in here and, and do that. I mean, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't trip because I think it honors God. But the thing is, that's what he wants. And you know why he wants that from us, to come in here hilariously giving? Because when we do that, we have a testimony attached to that. Brother Franklin, I don't have time to tell you his testimony. You can Google it. Go to YouTube. Type in Brother Franklin's testimony. This man faced death three times, and two of those times he was pronounced dead. He's an immigrant that's here in the U.S., and, and he shouldn't be, not because of immigration laws, but because of other reasons. And he's here. He's doing great. He's down in Houston, Texas. His story, his testimony, so when he gives, he says, I can't wait. This is the part of service I can't wait for. I love the preaching. I love the worship. But giving, ooh, that's something different. Because this is the place where I can do that. We know of another person, the person I talked about that built a temple, wanted to build a temple for God, King David, out in the temple worshiping hilariously to the point where he was naked? Why? Who You only do that when you know where God has brought you from. You only scream and shout and sing loud and off key when you know that God has brought you through some mess and here you are today. It may not be perfect. Everything may not be working out, but you're here. You have life. You've got air in your lungs. Your heart is still beating. Only time you do that is when you know that God has not let you down. And y'all are still sitting. I'm joking. Don't just stay put, please. I don't have that kind of time. Listen, God wants us to give hilariously. It should be crazy type of giving because that's crazy praise unto him. Let me tell you how we do it. Y'all ready? Let me show you how we do it. Um, Did I delete my notes? I think I deleted my notes. No, I didn't. There we go. I got it. I thought I deleted it, Sister Tori. All right. Here's how he wants us to. This is how we do it. He wants us to give willfully. He wants us to give cheerfully. I'm almost done here. And this is how we do it. We should prioritize what's important. We should prioritize what's important. And watch this. I'm not talking about just your finances. When you wake up in the morning, who gets the best part of your day? Because that first hour, that first moment you wake up is the best hour of the day. Who gets it? You don't have to tell me, but I know some of y'all do this. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Right? 
Some of y'all, some of y'all grab their remote and do this. Put the news on. And all you hear is negative stuff. So when you are feeding yourself negative energy in the morning, it's just like eating rotten eggs. You're going to get a tummy ache. You're not going to be well the whole day. I dare you to just start with a simple prayer. God, thank you. And then climb out of bed. And when you cut your lights on, wow, thank you. And when you go and cut your water on and let it run to the perfect temperature before you get into the shower, thank you. And when you go downstairs to your refrigerator and you open it up and it may not be everything you want, but you got something in there. Wow. Mm, You're too good to me, God. Thank you. And then you stand in front of your wardrobe thinking about what are you going to wear, even though you have clothes with tags still on it. Thank you, God. Then you walk outside your door to your vehicle or to the (laughs) bus stop because you have access to public transportation. Thank you, God. And then you remember the time when Pastor B told you that you were rich because you made $32,400 annually. Thank you, God. Now you can cut on your TV. Now you can scroll social media. First thing I do every morning, if you don't believe me, get up at 5 or 6 o'clock. Check out my Instagram. I post a scripture. That's the first thing I do. I want my day to start with scripture. Does that mean I'm not going to face trials? No, absolutely not. Does that mean I'm not going to get angry? No, absolutely not. Does that mean that I'm not going to be tested by the devil? No, absolutely not. But it does mean that I'm strong. I'm standing firm in my faith. Why? Because I started my day with prayer. I gave God my best time. And when it comes to tithe and offering, oh, my God, my wife, we had a discussion about this. Every time I, 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 she has alerts on her phone. So whenever time a deposit is made into the account, it alerts her. And so I've had to kind of pull her back like, hey, 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 don't you spend no money till we pay that tithe, girl. (laughs) I don't care nothing about no karate. I don't care nothing about clothes. Let's pay tithe first. I want God to get the first. Let's talk about that. That's the next thing. Prioritize what's important, but also set a percentage or an amount. Tithing is a discipline. Now, I will tell you, tithing was under the law. It, is, it was under the law, but Jesus still recognized it and accepted it. He says even to the Pharisees, he says, tithe, yes, but don't forget about the weightier matters, social justice, poverty, and other things. Tithe, don't, you ain't got to stop tithing. So even if you don't give the 10%, let that be your goal, but start somewhere. Say, you know what, in 2018, because I know y'all already working out, working out what you're going to do in 2018. Oh, I'm going to go to the gym more. I'm going to eat clean. Yeah, I'm going to try to read like the whole Bible in a year. I know some of y'all are thinking so radical right now. I dare you to say this year, this year, I am going to every chance I get, every week, every time. I'm, and here's the thing. You don't have to be in church to give, by the way. Not at Mosaic Church. You could text it wherever you are. You could be in Africa and text your giving and we'll still receive it. That's how we are. But hear me. Give. That's all he's asking you to do. Give. So if you say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to start because this is a discipline. Pastor B said it's a discipline. I'm going to start with 5%. Everything I get, I'm going to get 5%. The first, and watch this. What's more important than the percentage is the order. More important than the percentage. He wants the first. It's one thing to just say, hey, God, I'm, I'm, I'm volunteering. God's like, yeah, but I really wanted that first hour. If you would have given me that first hour, I would have been much happier. God, God, look, I gave my 10%. Yeah, but you like, you bought like the new J's. You got that new uh, iPhone 10. I mean, come on. I'm like the leftovers. God is like, give me first. Do you know the only time God says test him is when it comes to money? He doesn't say, hey, hey, test me to see if I'm going to heal you. 
<laughs> T- test me to see if I'm going to fix your marriage. Uh, test me to see if I'm going to uh, comfort you. No, he says, test me with your money. And see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you don't have enough room on earth to receive. But the problem is we look at God like a leprechaun. God, I gave with my money. And you're making an investment. And God says, no, 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 this is not this is not investing. This is generosity. And I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. You won't have room enough to receive. If you don't have room enough to receive, that means it's bigger than money. Wow, that was an amen moment. If you don't have room enough to receive it, that means that there's no bank big enough to handle what I'm going to give you. It's bigger than money. So open, listen, give to me first so that I may open up the windows and pour out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. I'm going to say these three things, these few things, and then we're out. You will miss the money you waste. I've been there back, back in the day before I was, you know, where I'm at. Going to the club, man, I spent all that money, man. Where all that money went? Hmm? You will miss the money you throw away. I've been there, bet on my bills, my Buffalo Bills, who I love. Don't you say nothing, nobody in this room. I know God personally. (laughs) You will miss money that you lose. We've lost $20 here, there, right? You've lost that. You will never miss the money that you give to the church you love. You will never, you will never miss the money that you give to the local church. Can I talk to Mosaic Church people for just a second here? Those who've been with me since we started five years ago, I would say stop giving if we were going the opposite direction. I really would. I would encourage, yo, I wouldn't give another dime. We're not growing. We started in an elementary school cafeteria and moved to a middle school. And then God has blessed us with the building of our own. And each and every week, we see new hands lifted up, saying, I accept Christ in my life. God is doing something with what you're giving. People are making decisions every single week at this church because we steward well what God has blessed us to give. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.